Hello and welcome to episode 5 of the Sam Hossack Media Podcast. Our next guest is a 2011 Shanahan Tournament Consolation winner, 2017 GTHL Gold Cup participant, has had brief stints with the Burlington Cougars and Trenton Golden Hawks of the OJHL, Kingston Front next to the OHL, not a big deal, and most recently the Pembroke Lumber Kings. Straight off the high streets of Toronto, entrepreneur extraordinaire and 2017 OHL Cup game winner ranked at number one by GQ alongside Sidney Crosby's gold medal winning goal at the 2010 Olympics. Seriously, he's not that big of a deal. Please welcome Dennis Golovechev. Wow. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Seriously, I'm not that big of a deal. Absolutely. Wow. And we'll, we'll Thank you for the intro. What a, what a resume, eh? Absolutely. Wow, that's to dig deep. Wow. Yep, and we're going to uh, get right into things. We're going to go back to the OHL Cup in 2017. You're a member of the uh, Mississauga Reps, made the finals. Take us through the last 10 seconds of that game and uh, what happened there. Yeah, like we were... We were a very good team. We had a bunch of unreal players, and going into that game, we were hoping, and we knew that we should win that game, and we just had the motivation, and we were just on a roll, and we were going in, we're winning, and it was tied up with around 10 seconds left in the game, and we had a timeout, I'm pretty sure. It was a TV break, too, so coach says, boys, we're going to do one, and me and Lucas Rowe, we were line mates at the time, and uh, we went in for the draw, and he's like, let's do two. So we changed it up instead of one, we did two, and it's a play where he wins it back to me on the left-hand side. So if we're going forward, it's on our left-hand side, and he's righty, and it perfectly worked out that he took the draw, snapped it back to me, and... I was just trying to get it through on that. I wasn't looking at the net. I was more looking at the defender, hoping to not hit him. And it might have went off of Palandra. Might have not. I don't know. Watch the replay. And, um, yeah, I, I, I did hear it hit the boards, and I saw everyone's going nuts. I'm like, wow, I guess I just did that. And it didn't really settle until, like, the next day when I went to my my local shawarma place after uh, during lunch at school. And uh, my boy hyped me up, and I got a free shawarma out of it. So that's when it really sunk in that I just won the OHL Cup. <laughs> that's awesome. Now, uh, April 6, 2017, special day for yourself and family. Take us through how that day went and how you found out you were selected 55th overall in the third round by the Gulf Storm. Yeah, it was obviously a very exciting day. Woke up with big hopes like every – guy does and as the draft went on I was like okay I'm getting bored of sitting I'm just gonna go have some breakfast go work out just go on in my day because at the end of the day it's just another day and it's like it's like a stock market it's for the certain day that's where you're ranked that's where you are so I was just proceeding with my day and my dad's like oh you just got drafted I'm like oh shit I just saw it was pretty cool a, a bunch of my friends my old coaches everybody messaged me saying hey congrats um, you deserve this, all sorts of things. And so thankful for all the support that I had. And it was just a great day. And it was a great accomplishment, but not for me, but just for my family, for the people that have helped me along the way. And it's good to get some sort of gratification out of it. And I only arrived to Guelph 
later that day around like 7 or 8 p.m. And it was all wrapped up then, and they weren't expecting me. And uh, Mike Kelly, who was the GM at the time, he he was very happy to see me. We went to the ring, showed me around the rink, and it was a great day overall, and it was a, it was a good day in my life. Absolutely. Uh, you attended the 2017 OHL Gold Cup on GTHL Blue. Take us through that experience and uh, how did it help you get ready for the OHL? Yeah, it was it was a great camp. Team Canada runs it very professionally, very tight and strict. And obviously they took our phones away. It was hard and we had to wake up early, eat certain meals. It was, it was tough because you're under a microscope the whole weekend and you got to be perfect the whole time. So it was pretty stressful, and it was very good hockey. I love the hockey, and the boys really came together, especially the GTHL guys. We're always moving around, switching teams, and we all know each other, and it was a good time to just hang out, not just with GTHL Blue, but GTHL Red. And Yeah, it was a great time. So many studs, Tomasino, Porco, uh, Stales, Ciccolini, Manikas, a bunch of sick players, and... Yeah, we just had a great time, made sure we were focusing on hockey, but we never forgot the extracurriculars. Absolutely. Now, uh, take us through that first day that you visited the Sleeman Center as a member of the Storm. What kind of emotions were you feeling that day? Yeah, so the first day after the draft that I really came back was for the was for the rookie camp, and I, I was just feeling like, wow, pretty big rank. There was no icing at the time, but it was still cool to see where this is where the guys play. This is where the boys play, and I'm part of this now. So it's pretty, pretty cool, pretty nostalgic just to see, like, Guelph is one of those teams growing up that you know about that play in the O, and it was pretty cool to finally embrace it and see it in its own. Absolutely. Uh, you attended the Storm Rookie Camp there, as you mentioned, but uh, that season you played for the OJHL Burlington Cougars. Uh, how'd that come to play, and uh, what were your thoughts going into that uh, season with Burlington? Yeah, so I saw a very good opportunity to play for Burlington uh, in the OJHL. They had a good GM and good coach that I remember uh, playing for when I was younger. And Alex Bazaar, the GM there, I've known him for my whole life, and he was a good guy, and he really helped me out when I came there. And it was just a way to get my foot in the door in junior hockey, gain experience, play more than I would, obviously, in the OHL. And, you know, at the end of the day, be a rookie and learn from the older guys, build and just get the next step for my future. Absolutely. And uh, that first off season after being there, something happened to you uh, that doesn't really happen to many players that hadn't played a game in the OHL yet. Your rights were traded from... Uh, Guelph to Kingston, so just take us through uh, how you found out about that move and what were your thoughts about uh, joining the Frontenacs? Yeah, it was... I started the season off in Trenton, and they're obviously an amazing junior organization, one of the best in Canada. I just wanted to continue and really see how far I could push myself when it came to hockey. I was still concerning Division One, but at the time, I was too young to go D1, so I said, instead of sitting another year in the OJ, how about I try to push myself and really test my limits by going somewhere and playing for a higher level. And I knew that if I were to go to Guelph, I wouldn't play a lot and I'd probably get traded because they were going to go for a run that year, and they sure did. And Kingston picked up my rights. Um, I saw that they were a team that some sort of 
add some sort of value to them and I'd play quite a bit. Well, not quite a bit, but I'd still play and dress regularly. And it was a good fit. And the first day when I came in, it was two days to the opener. And I was like, oh, I got to really figure my shit out in the next three days or this is going to be a long year. And I came and all the boys welcomed me with open arms. It was a great group of guys we had. And yeah, two days later, I was playing my first OHL game. Awesome, and uh, now take us through your first OHL goal. Uh, it happened against the uh, Ely Otters, and uh, yep. just talk about the uh, joy that you had there. Yeah, so it was pretty early into the season to score my first goal, especially for a guy with my skill level. <laughs> so it was probably the fifth game, and it was against Erie, and I was out for an empty netter. My first OHL goal was an empty netter. Sammy, an empty netter. And uh, if you're wondering, like, why is this working on the ice for an empty netter in his fifth game, I actually took a penalty prior to that. And it was the most stressful minutes of my life. I was like, holy, if they score and tie this up, I mean, be in big trouble. And the penalty ended, and they were pressing in our zone. So our coach said, go, 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 go back, Jack. And luckily, the puck popped out to me. And I was able to just pick it up full speed and go past the defender and just lay it into the net for my first OHL goal. So it's not how most guys dream of getting their first career goals, but it was, it was one, you know. And they don't ask how, they ask how many. Absolutely, and uh, we'll get into another one of the goals that you scored against the uh, London Knights. Uh, absolutely undressed, uh, Ryan Merkley, get into that a little bit. Uh, about 40 Uh-oh. seconds into the game, and uh, Merkley uh, had some trouble with the puck, so uh, take us through how that play went for you. Yeah, so I was second line, hope, hoping to get on the ice nice and early, get a good pressure going, keeping my feet moving, and I saw Merkley sort of had his back turned to me, and I just skated up somewhat passively, somewhat aggressively in that sort of in the middle stage. And he just, I guess it's early in the game, and he just pretty much gave it on my stick. And from there, I just had a partial breakaway. Saw that the goalie dropped a little bit early and then just skated around him. It was very special because everyone dreams of playing in London and scoring a goal. And I did in the first minute of the game, and it was pretty hype. Had a good game that game. Absolutely, and uh, now who one of the guys that you would uh, sit with on the bus for some of the long bus trips that you guys had there in uh, Kingston during your time? Oh, so first year would really be a bunch of guys because we were all rookies and we were just all having a good time. The guys that I'd hang out with on the bus so would be Cowley Mercer, Zade Wisdom, Brian Dugas, Luke Druid. Um, those would usually be the guys that we would sit with talk about whatever, goof around, watch movies. Most of the time napping or just just being boys, you know, and that was my first year. Second year, I'd still be with Luke Druitt, Callie Mercer, all the guys. And near the end, I would sit with Justin Pringle, who's my boy, and we would just spit. We would just freestyle and just rap on team bus rides. We'd just be whispering into each other's ears, wearing headphones and just laughing our asses off, just having a great time, pretending that we were like these rappers. Awesome. And uh, 
Now, getting into your uh, Billet family a little bit, uh, you have lived with a couple of guys over the two years that you played uh, in Kingston. Uh, go through who those two guys were and then uh, talk about your uh, Billet family a little bit. Yeah, so my first year I lived with uh, Cameron Huff, who's a brother of mine. We uh, first met, actually, when I came to Kingston, and we got put together as Billet Pros, and we went to the house. And... We just clicked right away. He's one of my homies now, and like we're probably gonna be best buds forever. I lived with him in Pembroke too. He's a big reason why I actually went there. We're business partners, and like we started dating our girls right around the same time, and we're just these these two buddies. And he, we had a great time that first year. Unfortunately, when my uh, second season in the OHL started, he. Uh, left the team to go play in Pembroke and Braden Hashi got put in. Obviously at first I was like, oh, I just lost my best bud. This is hard. And it was tough, but Braden's just one of those guys that it doesn't matter who you who you are, what background you're from, you're gonna love the guy. He's a well raised kid. His comes from he comes from a good family. He's got a very cute ass husky. And He's pretty mature for his age. He's for his age. He's an old three, but he acts a lot older. And I really liked him as a bullet bro. And we're still homies still now. So those are the guys that I lived with. And obviously, my bullet parents were amazing. I had Trina, who was the billet mom, Billy, who was the billet dad, Chase and Jesse, who were the who were my billet brothers. And it's sort of like a military family. And the mom is she works for the prison locally in Kingston there and they know how to be disciplined but at the same time they love to have fun and they're very family oriented people they demand respect but they they know boundaries and they know that we're just these teenage kids from other families and they really knew how to take care of us make us feel like home and with the kids I'd, I'd usually try to just hang out with them because I actually billeted a player when I was younger and I I knew how cool it was to have someone like that so I'd always hang out with the kids and try to be there they'd always have a bunch of their friends over so I got a shout out Keegan I got a shout out Georgie from the year before got a shout out Kolsky right uh, they would they're just like these 10 12 year olds that I'm hanging out with but we'd always have a good time and yeah those, those were my boats in Kingston absolutely now uh here before we move on to Pembroke, 26 games played with the Frontenacs this year. And one guy that you uh, were stallmates with in Kingston uh, to start of this season was Shane Wright. Uh, got exceptional status last year. Uh, just talk to us a little bit about uh, how special Shane Wright really is as a player at 15 in that league. Well, he's all that. Like... As a person, he's humble, but he knows how to condone himself like a professional. And even as an older guy, I looked up to Shane Wright because you can just tell that he was raised properly. He comes from a good family. He knows how to behave himself, and he just acts so much older for his age. I know I'm really pumping his tires right now, and it's an absolute stroke off, but if anybody deserves a good stroke off, it's Shane. It's Shane. And... Um, He'd be my stall buddy, and every day he'd like give me a fist bump and say, what's up, goal? And I'd, my cheeks would blush. I'd be like, holy shit, talk to me. And, yeah, he's just a special player. He knows what to do, where to be on the ice, and 
when you talk about complete players in the game, he's one of them. And you talk about people that are very good at what they do, like the Elon Musks, the Bill Gates, the people that are considered somewhat geniuses and innovators. Shane Wright, I don't want to say now, but he's one of them because you can just see how wise he is and how ahead of his age, ahead of his time he is as a player and as a person. And I really had an honor of playing with him for as little as I did. And the things that I learned from a guy his age, it's extraordinary. Absolutely. So, and uh, for those who don't know, Shane Wright gets exceptional status at 15. Absolutely tears up the league for Kingston this year. Uh, ridiculous. 30, ridiculous. 39 goals, 66 points, and has an A on his jersey at 15 years old. Uh not even, sh- not even sure the last time a 15-year-old in that league, if any of the exceptional guys had A's uh, in that first year, but he's just... Uh, I'm pretty sure he's the youngest. Yeah, he's, he's definitely and the not, youngest. And I'm, and I'm not surprised. Absolutely, yeah. And uh, now joining Pembroke after those 20-some uh, games in Kingston, uh, just take us through uh, your experience in Pembroke for the rest of the season and uh, how that idea kind of came to play. And uh, was it something that you really enjoyed doing? Yeah, it was part of the reason that I went to Pembroke was because of Cameron Huff. And the GM said, oh, you can live with Huffer again. You can be Bill Bros there. And as soon as I came in, I just felt like this is where I was supposed to be. The way they embraced me and the boys were always together. There's not much to do in Pembroke, so we'd always hang out. Um, and it's a special city to play in. It's hockey town for a reason. The franchise has run so well. Alex Armstrong, even though we have our battles, we go at it with each other. He's still a great GM. And as a coach, he's not scared to learn from his players, which a lot of coaches are nowadays. And I just learned a lot from King, uh, from Pembroke. And it's not just about hockey, but it's just about life. I've figured out a lot of things. It was a good little trip so I could stay, step back from hockey and really assess my life as a whole. And I'm, I'm very grateful that I got to play there. And I made a lot of good friends with Jack Stockfish, also known as my boy B. Lou. Uh, Fletcher Anderson, he was our top point getter. He really believed he was Austin Matthews. Actually, I'll tell you a little story here. Um, we had Sheldon Keefe come to one of our games in the Smith Falls, and Fletcher scored the game winner that came. And Sheldon's uh, wife came in before the game. She had, like, this Dior bag. It was sick. I was checking it out the whole time. And she gave us a little speech, and then they watched the game after, and Fletcher scored. And when we were on the bus, he got a text from Sheldon Keefe saying, hey, I, scored. I heard you got the game-winning goal, and you're coming to our game tomorrow in Ottawa because Toronto was playing in Ottawa at the time. And Fletcher was just going nuts. He's like, holy Sheldon Keefe. Then we stopped at uh, McDonald's to get some post-game fuel. And Danny and Shanks, who was the captain at the time, and um, Blair Patocio, we uh, were like, how about we play a little prank on Fletcher? And... Benny's like, I don't have Fletcher's number. And so we're like, okay, perfect. You're going to text Fletcher saying, hey, I'm Austin Matthews. And so Benny texts uh, Fletcher Anderson. He's like, hey, uh, 
this is I don't, this is Austin Matthews. I heard you're a big fan of mine, and you come to a game tomorrow. I heard you had a great game. Excited to see you tomorrow. Let me know when you're coming. Say my number or something like that. And so Fletcher goes berserk. He goes absolutely nuts, telling everybody, the coaches, everyone. Austin Matthews just texted me, and we let it sink for like a day or so until we really told him. Oh boy. And it just completely broke his heart. It was the funniest thing ever. But he still got to go to the Sens game because he was going there anyways. And he got to see Austin Matthews play. So, you know, that's pretty cool, I guess. Absolutely. And a guy I'm going to ask you about that you played with in uh, Pembroke this year that I'm good buddies with is uh, Benny Hofstetter. So uh, talk about... Benny, that's the guy. That's yeah, the one. Talk about uh, Benny a little bit. How much of a beauty that guy is. Benny, he's just, I would always rep into him and give him shit for having the best stick. For some reason, this guy's stick in practice was always in the passing lane, in the shooting lane, in my feet. Whenever I'm trying to do something, Benny, no one else, Benny. And I'm like, holy, so I'd always rep him for that. And since he had such a good stick, I probably shot a couple pucks through his stick and broke his stick. And, yeah, he was just one of those guys that he... You knew what you were getting out of him every night, and he did his role, and he didn't try to be too much. Or he knew what he brought to the team and how to be a good asset, and I sat pretty close to him in the locker room. He always had a couple good one-liners or something or talked to me about pop smoke or something, hip-hop culture. So he was a good guy, and he was a good teammate, and I'm actually surprised you know him. You should have told me sooner. Absolutely, and uh, now uh, my understanding is that during this uh, tough time with everything going on with uh, COVID-19 that you're actually uh, helping run a business right now, I'm going to let you uh, take things away here for a little bit and explain to the listeners exactly uh, what's going on. Yeah, so I started up a business that pretty much does live training, which is hockey-specific at the moment. We do everything from stick handling, shooting, passing, to stuff like fitness, yoga, and even basketball cross-training for hand-eye and footwork. So we're really trying to build something where we're helping these kids. It's, it's kids-oriented. It's from 5 to 12 years old. And it's three set live sessions a day, every single day of the week. So that's 21 videos a, month, uh, a week. 90 videos a month at least and it comes obviously at a subscription and I partner up with one of my old coaches Martin Ross we call him Chico and we really believe that this is the next wave when it comes to training because obviously with corona right now everybody's going online and learning learn online and we're just trying to incorporate that even after corona's done because now we're going to be all accustomed to it and through the power of social media and globalization through the internet, we're hoping to reach kids that never had access to a hockey training at home. Like, let's say you're from somewhere in Nunavut, and there's only one train, one trainer there, and you only train three times a week. You got to keep up somehow, and you could do that by staying at home and having a product like ours teach you how to train properly and train like the other guys your age are doing. Absolutely. And uh, now, how did this uh, idea kind of come up and uh, what has made it so successful so far? Yeah, so it really came up when I came back from Pembroke and I was just 
going for a walk. It was during quarantine times, and my old coach of mine said, hey, I started up this new uh, live training program. How about you come as a guest tomorrow? And he was only like a day in. So I'm like, okay, I'd love to. And at the time, I was looking for ways to start something, start a new project. I'm always into starting new projects, new ways to build money and build people, right? And I go in and I run three sessions and I say to the guy, I'm like, wow, this is this is good stuff and we could really like start selling this. And so we installed, uh, we hired an IT guy to figure that out for us. And now we're having a membership program and thing that makes it so successful is that we believe in our product and we stay consistent. We stay true to what we're selling. We don't try to be too much. We're not trying to target NHL guys, but I've trained with the best trainers in the world. I've trained with Tim Turk, Paul Lawson, all sorts of different coaches. And maybe that hasn't made me a better player or better compared to other guys I play against, but I try to learn as much as I can from them. And I try to deliver it to these kids. And so instead of going and paying for a crazy lesson, you could pay an equivalent to 60 cents a session and get not the exact same knowledge, but you could gain knowledge, which is more than enough for you at a young age. And we keep it consistent and we stay true to ourselves and we know how to connect to the kids because the coach that I teamed up with, He's had this program since 1989. He's had this hockey school. And it's always been kids from 5 to 12, 13, 16, around that age. And he really knows how to connect to those kids with their short attention spams and how kind of stupid they are. And he just knows how to speak to them and connect. And that's what I like. And so that's really what really makes us successful. And hopefully it can, continues to grow. Absolutely. And uh, what are kind of the next steps that uh, you want to continue to keep this uh, brand going successfully? Yeah, like I said, we're trying to really utilize the power of modern day technology to access globalization and people and more customers all over the globe. And I want to give away too much, but people were wired to always be on the lookout for more knowledge. Our eyes are detectors for knowledge. Our tongues are detectors for information. Our ears were all made to gain knowledge, gain information, gain more knowledge about the world. That's why we're always scrolling through social media, uh, going through YouTube, watching new things, reading news articles, because we want knowledge. We want to know stuff. And an essential of that is learning new skills and learning what you're good at. And when it comes to hockey or soccer or basketball or makeup or Fortnite, we're just trying to be able to be an educational platform where you, you can come and get educated at a compatible, compatible, what's that word? Yeah. Competitive. competitive yeah. Competitive. competitive price to uh, reach more people in the world. And like I said, there's kids all over the world that don't have access to training all the time and with a live feature where you can train live kids can be able to always have a new feed of information going all the time every day they come in as long as you want to get better at your craft you could get better through us absolutely and we've grilled you enough with some of these questions so uh the next five to ten here are just going to be a bit of fun so let's go back uh here to uh 
Kingston Day's rookie meals, uh, especially at the start of this year, or that you kind of uh, saw last year, or even in the uh, OJHL at all? Was there uh, kind of one rookie that would uh, try and pull up his nasty and uh, go to the washroom when the uh, bill was coming around? Oh, not really. Usually the boys, especially in Kingston, like they knew how to behave, and whenever we went out, we'd order on our own, turn our own. Unless we obviously owed each other. When it came to me and Huff, we'd always be trying to finesse each other and get a quick little buck. But we were all brothers and we were nice and generous and it was awesome. And I remember one time Huffer was out with this girl after a game and I was kind of alone. I'm like, hey, let's go to let's go to Kelsey's. And he's like, no, man, I don't want to pay. I don't have this money. I'm like, I didn't say you're buying. I said, let's go to Kelsey's. And I took him out. And then that's, that just started where we were paying each other and that's just the way it is with the Kingston boys. Like we're all a great group of guys and it was awesome. Absolutely. And the story I'll have you tell a little bit here, uh, obviously Brayden has a great kid, uh, big fight in the OHL, uh, this Uh-oh. season against, uh, against the, uh, Sudbury Wolves. And, uh, from what I've heard, uh, you attended Queens university and, uh, Hashe Uh-oh. kind Hashe kind of, uh, was showing that video around a little bit. So, uh, break that Uh-oh. down, break that down a little bit. I don't know what hockey forum chat you saw this on, but it's true. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously he just wrecks that guy's career. I don't even know who it is doesn't even matter to me but uh gets into a huge fight got the boys pumped and he was a hero for that rookie guy dummies two guys he deserved it and me and him i try to take him out take him under my wing go to a few events i obviously went to queen so i had some connections when it came to that and he, he everywhere i look if he was talking to somebody we're talking to somebody new. His phone was out, and he was showing that video. He would probably have to charge his phone three, four times a day just because it was on all day, him showing this video to the Billets, the Billet brothers, teammates, classmates, friends, all the girls, all the boys. I know I'm going on a rant, and I'm kind of flaming him right now, but come on, Brian, you know it's true. <laughs> all right, uh... No, but, open. But like I said, if anyone had uh, had to deserve it, it was it was him. Great guy. Absolutely. Uh, break down that he hit uh, another rookie, Chase Stillman, and I forget oh. I forget who on Sudbury grabbed him from behind. But the way he told it was the guy just told him drop him, kid, and he dropped him, and he ended up oh, winning that fight. Him, yep. Yeah. And now, uh, over the years, uh, who was the kind of billet house that was the uh, go-to place for all the boys to uh, hang out at? Yeah, well, my first year in um, in Burlington, we didn't really hang out much. It's more local, and uh, all the guys, most of them didn't billet. Trenton, I wasn't there too long to really know. But in Kingston, um, it really just depended where the night was out with the boys. Like, there was never a go-to place. We'd always rotate, go to wherever. My second year when um, I was going to Queens, I went to uh, Baker's house, and that's where we usually did all our classes. He was there with Aldo, who was in our class, and Bratz back in Queens. And that's usually where I gravitated to just for the schoolwork stuff. 
but mostly I'd hang out with my Phillip brothers, hang out with Brandon Hashier, Cameron Hoff, and just hang out. But when it came to Pembroke, it would always be uh, Fletcher Anderson's place. That was usually the drop when it came to uh, consistent gatherings. But whenever we wanted larger, more flamboyant expenditures, we went to uh, Anthony Ubici's place and had our events there. So those were the two drops when it came to Pembroke. And now for this one for Kingston and um, Pembroke, who was the uh, guy that would be most likely to uh, hang out with his girlfriend ahead of the boys? Oh, God. Cameron House is a perfect person. He's a great guy. Hammer. Absolute hammer. I'm telling you, this guy, wow. Wow. He should be top five. Top five at least, maybe top three. All right, and now, uh, <laughs> wow! All right, who's, Anyways, who, all right, who, but, uh, who's in the top three then, goalie? Who's in the top three if we're giving hey, hey, tougher? That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying, <laughs> my boy. That's all I'm saying. But he, um, he sure loves to hang out with this girl a lot. And if there's one thing that I can chirp him about, or something that gets under my skin about this guy, is that he's always with this girl. He's on a leash. He's on a leash. He's whipped. But uh, yeah. Usually him when it, when it was in Pembroke, but in Kingston, sometimes it was Braden Hashe, always Hoffer, my first year, yeah. For sure, and now... Because, uh, because also Hoffer's girl is from Kingston. Right. Yeah, but uh, she went to Ottawa U, which was close to Pembroke, so I can never avoid her when I want to hang out with Hoff. <laughs> All right, uh, favorite OHL city to uh, play in besides Kingston? Yeah, besides Kingston, it was all, I loved playing in Guelph because I was obviously drafted there and my family could come down and it was it was a fun place to play in because they packed it pretty well too. And my favorite by far was London because I actually got to play there and I scored a pretty nice goal, one of like four or five in my career, so... It was one of my favorite rings to play, and it's always packed. So many fans. Music's good. It was country night when we played there, too. So I was singing songs, having a good time on the bench. And I loved playing there. And I never got to play in Kitchener, but I did go on the ice for warm-ups there in my rookie year. And it was nuts. Like, I, I was looking forward to playing that game. Unfortunately, I was a game-time scratch, but it was one of my favorite venues to play in when it came to the all. Now, uh, obviously, playing in Kingston, there's a lot of road trips that you guys got to go on. So uh, what was probably one of your favorite road trips uh, to go on, even if you weren't playing that weekend, just to be able to go out with the boys? Oh, so uh, the American road trip is always a blast. And I'm not going to say why, but most of the Canadian old guys – like the guys that play for Canadian teams, they would know why. If they're beauties, why the American trip was so fun. And it was awesome. I love that trip. But I'd, lo- I'd always love the Mississauga trip because my family would come to the hotel and be able to see them a lot longer than five minutes after a game. And it's really local to me. So I'd always have people there. And it's in a rink that I even played growing up. So. That was always one of my favorite road trips, too. And I'd get uh, hometown clicks before games, too. Absolutely. And uh, 
best OHL road dressing room that you got to uh, experience or be in uh, over your two years in the OHL? Oh, I'd always love Ottawa's because we played there a lot. Um, Flint was amazing. It was just new, but the rink in itself I didn't like, so the room offset the rink plus the water problem. But the way it was laid out was beautiful, nice cushions, nice big stalls, like like kings there. And I really liked Hamilton's too. It was made to be a professional dressing room, had all you need, and it was very spacious. I really liked that one too. Absolutely, and well, Dennis, it's been an honor, like always, talking to you. I uh, really appreciate it, and uh, you'll be a reoccurring guest, I'm sure. Uh, the fans will love it, and you're going to turn into a guy like uh, Tim Stapleton on uh, Checklist, and you'll be back for sure. Oh, yeah. Tim Stapleton with the boy keys, of course, man. Thanks for having me, buddy. I'm looking forward to uh, obviously coming back on again, and I can't wait to hear this. Absolutely. Yeah, man. Thanks, buddy.